Welcome to Recruiting Daily's Use Case Podcast, a show dedicated to the storytelling that happens or should happen when practitioners purchase technology. Each episode is designed to inspire new ways and ideas to make your business better as we speak with the brightest minds in recruitment and HR tech. That's what we do. Here's your host, William Tincup. Ladies and gentlemen, this is William Tincup, and you're listening to the Use Case Podcast. Today we have Natalie on from Translator, and we'll be learning about the business case or use case for why prospects and customers pick Translator. So let's do some introductions. Natalie, would you do us a favor and introduce yourself and Translator? Sure. Awesome. Thank you, William. Hi, everyone. My name is Natalie Egan. My pronouns are she, her, and hers. I'm the CEO and founder of a company called Translator, uh, where we build diversity, equity, inclusion, training, and analytics software for corporations, schools, and nonprofits. Um, and I'm excited to be here on the podcast. So thank you very much. 100%. So how did you, well, origin story, uh, how did you start Translator? Yeah, so it's you know it's deep for me. It's personal. Um, goes you know it it's uh, it it goes back to you know my identity uh, as a right. trans woman. Um, I I'm a serial entrepreneur. I have uh, been trying to help people and solve problems and and start businesses since I was a little kid. I think I had my first actual money making business by when I was like seven years old. Um, and Translator is my second major venture capital-backed, you know, HR tech, what, what I call change management technology business. Um, my company prior to this was a company called PeopleLinks, uh, which was a um, sort of social media best practices software or guidance software designed to show people what to do on social media at scale, sort of change hearts and minds and behaviors. Um, and... and um, you know, it was very, uh, I, I bring that up because uh, it the the business was basically, it was like the same business model as what we're doing today. It was just like a different subject matter. So that business was designed to teach people social media at scale. Uh, this business is designed to teach empathy at scale. And it's oh, based cool. on my experience coming out as a transgender woman in 2016 and experiencing bias, discrimination, and hatred for the first time in my life at like age 38. Um, and you know, it, it, it hit me like a, a ton of bricks. I mean, it was sort of, uh, you know, this huge wake up call. It's, it's, it's an ongoing wake up call, but oh, every, every day Oh yeah, continue yeah. To, to get a little bit more woke is the, is the word, but, um, you know, I decided, you know, that I was going to do something about it. <clears throat> you know, I, I was sort of uniquely qualified, um, you know, based on my previous business, which, by the way, had sort of taken off like a rocket ship and then came crashing down and, you know, all kinds of little nuanced details that we don't have time for this podcast to go into. But, um, you know, I I felt like I was uniquely qualified to build technology to help us. I, you know, the original idea was technology to help us understand each other better. Like right. That was the original idea. And I quickly realized that we can't understand each other better until we understand ourselves first, like, right. you know, understand our own identity and our own lived experience. And that kind of becomes sort of a gateway or, you know, a launching point to, you know, start to understand other people's identities and other people's lived experiences. And I was kind of a little case study. I mean, and I don't mean a little, I was like the perfect case study for, for that. I had zero self-awareness prior to my transition. Um, and, you know, in this process that what I, you know, called my, my 
my transition or my my journey to becoming Natalie, I also talk about that as like my journey to empathy. And so what I was effectively trying to do was sort of bottle that, you know, or 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 productize that experience and put it into a platform so people could, you know, in little bite-sized chunks, because most people aren't going to experience what I've gone through, um, are but they have their own version of it, believe me. Right. Um, to be able to you know, kind of start this like journey of understanding your own identity and, um, and then, and then, you know, slowly starting this process of, of starting to help you become more self-aware and, and that just creates empathy. Um, that's actually, interestingly, William, it's something I, I sort of experienced and documented and then actually found out that like, you know, that was sort of a proven, you know, researched thing, you know, right. like, like people have been talking about that sort of process for empathy development a long time for a long time. So, you know, I knew I was sort of onto something and, you know, ultimately just to kind of finish this, you know, long story very quickly. um, I went out and I started to study diversity, equity, inclusion, you know, like the space, the, you know, what, what people were doing. And I quickly realized that like this whole space was like super antiquated um, and was going to, you know, there was going to be an increase in demand. I, I wouldn't at the time. I, I couldn't have forecast the, the 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 pace of the the amount of demand that we've and it, I'm super grateful for. But you know, back in 2016, you know, people people didn't think there was a market for this. Let's put right. it that way. Um, that's what, and, and that's unfortunate. Run in in and of itself. Yeah, totally. Um, you know, it's and it's hard to celebrate because it's like yeah. you know, but at the same time, it's it's good product market or it's, it's good timing for the, where we are. And um, anyways, uh, I, we decided to build this technology and, you know, that's what translator is today is think of it as like self-awareness technology and it spins off a ton of data too. So like employees go through these, these learning experiences that we've created, they're, they're anonymous digital learning experiences. And we collect a ton of data about their, their intersectional identities about their, you know, their, um, their lived experience, their privilege, their marginalization, the unconscious bias, the marginalizations that they experience, the questions that they have. And then we feed that back to the organization to help them better understand their employees, uh, which ultimately drives retention, engagement, referrals, et cetera. So that's high level, very fast version. I love this. So first of all, I love the phrase empathy at scale. Uh, just, I love that trademark it, please. Um, and, and get take us more into the, cause I was, I was going to ask you about the, the micro, the training itself and those, those experiences, as you touched on a couple of really key points, it's anonymous. So it's not tethered as a somebody's profile. So people can be as honest, uh, as, as they, as they want to be, which is, which is really, I think a wonderful thing. And in the organization over, that anonymized data and aggregate data, they can then learn, okay, here's where our employees are currently. And so I would assume that there's kind of benchmarking on, you know, or at least having an idea of where you are now as, as opposed to where you want to be on your journey. That's right. Yeah. So, um, so I'll, I'll back up just a little bit and talk about the, the, the platform and then we can talk about the data. Um, So, you know, at the core you know, I told you I started to study DEI. Like DEI is obviously broad, but right. you know, specifically we we focused in on DEI training, and we just saw that there was a lot of opportunity for, you know, workflow, like you know, automation, um, you know, technology 
um, you know, what we call digital transformation, right? And, you know, digital transformation has taken over like every art, every other part of our business, except for culture and culture change. And um, so we kind of knew that we were onto something there where it was just like, you know, this is super antiquated and it's so easy to add technology workflow here. Automation is probably the wrong word, by the way. Um, but we're, we are connecting things that weren't previously connected. So like things that used to be done on pieces of paper and pencil or turn to your neighbor and, and complete the sentence three times or stick a sticky note on the wall if you agree with the statement or step forward if both your parents went to college, like all these digital, all these, sorry, all these exercises that used to be done in person, right? That were paper-based or just sort of analog, we've digitized. So if you're familiar with DEI training, you know that there's there's literally, I mean, there's tons of exercises that used to be done in person. Um, you know, the iceberg mm-hmm. is, is one of them, like the walk of privilege, which I just mentioned. Um, you know, there's a whole list of all these exercises that are critical for the learning experience because they're designed to kind of deepen the, the learning and, and help people kind of get in relationship with each other. Um, and now that everybody's distributed and high, you know, hybrid remote workforce, it, you don't, you don't, I can't do those exercises anymore. Um, so that was actually sort of, um, you know, not expected by the way, like when we built this, the original technology, it was sort of, you could sort of think of it as like DEI tech tools for, or, for, or, or tech tools for DEI trainers, right? Like, so DEI trainers in person doing trainings would be able to use our app and our technology to help amplify and elevate the learning experience in person. COVID right. hit, and everybody went distributed and like the demand and need for our product went, you know, went up even more, which, you know, we didn't really design for that in the first place, but it was sort of an interesting byproduct of, of going remote. Um, and it made our, our platform even more relevant. So one way to think about this is like, you know, there's still a trainer, right? There's they, we, we certify trainers to use our platform in their trainings. So they use our technology tools when they deliver their trainings. We've developed a curriculum and the technology is integrated into the curriculum. So we effectively license the technology and the curriculum to the trainers. Um, and then they go out and use this with their clients. Uh, or in some cases, like uh, a large organization that has its own DEI resources internally, we can license the technology to them and they can self-implement it uh, themselves. Um, and so, you know, it could be 90 minutes, could be two, you know, 120 minutes, two hours. Um, these, these learning experiences, people are going to go on a journey together. They're going to use the technology and then they're going to have facilitated conversations as a result of that. Uh, the technology, as you mentioned, William is anonymous. So we get a right. very high, uh, participation rates. We get very high, um, you know, efficacy or, or, you know, honesty is where people are, you know, being much more honest with our platform than they might've been with, you know, traditional employee surveys, right? right? Because it is a third party tool that is not, like you said, sort of tethered to your HCM, you know, your, your most LMS, you know, is personally identifiable. Like it's like you log into the LMS, it knows that it's you, it knows that you completed the session. It knows, how you answered the questions That's and it's right. tied to your, you know, the rest of your compensation or whatever. This is a completely anonymous third-party tool, no personal identifiable information. There's no app to download. It's a web-based app. Oh. So, you know, you just, you just log in with a four-digit pin. It drops you into this, you know, this learning environment, you do exercises, and then we collect that data and feed it back to the client. So 
that's kind of the process in terms of the data itself. The second part of the question you brought up, um, it's it's wholly new data for clients. Like they, um, you know, I don't, and we're just scratching the surface, by the way, in terms of what we can what we can start to get to and how we can, you know, we don't have, we don't, we're not quite resourced well enough yet to have like data scientists working on this all day long, which we're excited about, but we have, we have more data than we know what to do with. And, um, and it's new data for the client because they've never really understood things like, like privilege and marginalization. Mm-hmm. Like, how do you look at your employees and understand like just those two things alone, let alone in particular, what types of unconscious bias and microaggressions they're experiencing, you know, what types of prejudices that they're holding on to. Um, you know, our platform helps pull that out in a really sort of friendly way that, you know, people tend to be really honest with. So we can serve that back to the client um, to help them better understand, like I said earlier, the lived experiences of their, and their employees. Like it's it's sort of like self-awareness is, is key for individual empathy. And organizational awareness is key to, you know, organizational empathy. So the more the company can understand its employees, who who they are collectively, the more they can have empathy for their employees, which is what drives retention, engagement, referrals, et cetera. And that's how you change culture. So, uh, so one of the things I'm, I'm sure you've faced um, uh, through, through this period, I know I've heard this, uh, at least on, on the back channels from folks, is... Some of the reasons they don't start some of the initiatives that they want to start in DEI and, and, and it is in particular in training uh, around this is twofold. One is they can't see the end game. Right. They can't, they, they're just not, they don't, you know, like if you're doing change management, uh, usually in change management, there's a beginning, middle and end, you know, okay. But with DEI, it doesn't seem like there is. It seems more like a journey and that you never, it's a, that you know, that you never reach, which is okay. But I, I think it's a cop out. So I'll be honest with you. As, as I hear that, I, I also hear, yeah, yeah so you don't want to get started. Okay. Yeah. I got it. Um, but it, it's also, I want to get your take on that. But I'll, simultaneous to that is I want to get your take on the relationship between vulnerability, like what you've seen in vulnerability. Uh, from both leaders, employees, everybody that uses the platform, because it seems to me the more honest that you are with yourself, which is complete vulnerability, the more vulnerable you can be with with other folks. But I don't want to, I mean, I don't want to make something that's not there. So first thing is, is, you know, <laughs> are we there yet? You know, this, this idea that there is a finite destination that you should reach or it, that it is a journey and you should just be happy to be on the journey to be continually learning things. Yeah. So th- thank you for, for both parts of that question. I think, you know, it is, there's not a destination, but I, I would say there is a state, right? There's sort of like a, a, a state of, of, of being that you can reach uh, organizationally from a cultural perspective. But, you know, that's, you know, state implies almost like temporary, like if that right. state is not maintained, like it, it, it can, you know, it, it can vaporize. Right. Um, so I, I do think that's how people should sort of think about the goals here. And, and I do believe truly, and that's why we, a big part of the driver to, to really start this business and, and, um, and, and, and believing that it would have real legs is that those same people that kind of sort of get fatigued by this or are looking for a destination really just need data. Like they just need to understand like, is it working or is it not working? 
And right. is it not working is just as valuable as is, is it working, right? Like, but the problem with traditional DEI, like anything, right? Anything associated with the DEI kind of like ecosystem traditionally has been hard to measure, like if not in, in unmeasurable. Right. But that used to be true for marketing and it used to be true for sales. And 100%. it used to be true for all of these other parts of our business where we're like, we don't really know how, uh, you know, Jerry sells things. We just know that he does. And like <laughs> at the end of the end of the end of the quarter, like he always hits his number, but like, that's not how it is anymore. Like we now understand exactly Jerry's behaviors and, you know, you know, it's all measured and, you know, there's a ton of data and analytics behind every part of the sales process. And I think we're headed there with DEI. Um, and that's, that shouldn't be scary. That should, that's actually good. That's a, that means we're going to be able to, you know, if you can, you can't, you can't measure it, you can't improve it. Um, so I think we're, we're headed in the right direction. And, you know, translator is one of many technologies that are helping us, you know, change that reality for organizations. You know, we happen to be focused on training. There's many other parts of the DEI ecosystem, like I said. Um, so I think that's exciting. And I think that, you know, the data that we see um, not only drives culture change, but it's also driving, driving ESG compliance, right? Environmental right. social governance compliance. And that is equally as important to giving people sort of a, you know, again, not so much a destination, but a state. Like we can reach the state, you know, if we're able to satisfy these, you know, compliance, you know, re, you know, mandates coming from board of directors, coming from investors, coming from Wall Street, you know, coming from the employees, frankly. Um, so that's those two things combined give us the the first part of your question. You know, obviously go in more detail, but this is not like the sure the the, the four hour podcast. This is you know <laughs> this is the, the short, quick version podcast. So that's the first part, and then you know I think the second part around vulnerability is um, it, you know and and what you said is it's spot on, right? And we have. We have great data with our platform to be able to measure, you know, the 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 impact of these experiences, right? And we always say that behavioral change is immediate. Like we can immediately measure behavior change coming out of these sessions. Um, culture change takes more time. That's like a multi-year journey, right? But behavior change is actually a quick hit, uh, but it doesn't sustain without a program behind it. So that behavior change will also vaporize uh, if you don't have systems in place to support it. But people leave the session with a more open mind, more awareness, ready to make the change. So if you then put in the, the programming, the tools, the resources, they, they will continue on that journey. We can also measure resistance, right? I can tell Ooh, you 6% cool. of your employees are actively resisting this. And again, that becomes, you know, as you mentioned earlier, like a benchmarking, there's a ton of benchmarking throughout this whole thing. And that'll just grow as, as we grow. Um, but anecdotally, you look at the, the data, and then you also look at the 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 sort of um, the sentiment data that that we pull out of the platform as well, and the conversations that we have with our clients afterwards. And you know, when somebody in you know whether they're on the front line in sort of a you know a, a individual contributor role, all the way up through you know mid mid to senior level management, you know C C level organization is vulnerable with people about things like mental health, uh, mm -hmm. about neurodiversity, about, uh, you know, ability or disability status, um, you know, LGBT issues, and they're talking about their own journeys and they're sharing their vulnerability. Like that ripple effect is really ultimately what's 
creates the change, right? So we think about the technology, we, you know, it does a lot of things, but at the core, it helps facilitate difficult conversations in the workplace. You know, and, I, w- w- sorry to interrupt. Now. No, no, yeah, one, no. of the, one of the things I love about this is it's using their data. So a lot of people speak in platitudes or generalizations, right? And it's like, okay, what we see in the market, blah, blah, blah. But you're actually, you have the ability based on data to then say in your organization, here's what we see. That's right. And so I think there's just a power, just, I mean, that seems like a small thing, but it's not because most of DEI over the last 30 years has been taught from the perspective of uh, platitudes and generalizations. And, and you've, you've figured out a way to actually, you know, again, you're, you're getting it down into the organization, you know, all the way down. You can go down to the department, you can go all the way down and actually say, okay, here's, here's the next step. Like, here's what we see. Here's what we observe. Here's what we found. Here's what, it, you know, here's, here are some things. And in coaching them through specifically how to then resolve that and then move that forward. That's right. Oh, okay. I got to ask you. So we're about to run out of time, but your favorite customer story right now, and you don't have to name names or brands or anything like that, but just something that just touches your heart. Gosh. Uh, and there's so many, it's, it's good that you narrowed <laughs> that to like right now, because it seems. <laughs> I also, I, sometimes I have to say your most recent, like just keep it simple. Yeah, no, I mean, I, we just got off the call with, uh, you know, just about two hours ago with a client, very large, um, very conservative, uh, traditionally conservative uh, search organization mm-hmm. uh, that, you know, has been on its own journey with us. And, uh, there's been some changes in the organization over time or over the last couple of years. And so we have new leadership that we're introducing the program to. And we had people, you know, actual, you know, champions inside the organization, very senior folks, um, you know, sort of stepping in for us and vouching for the, the efficacy of the platform. And it's just emotional to listen to as the entrepreneur for people who are, you know, opting into to speaking up um, about their experiences and, and the importance of this this platform, the technology and and the implementation, the continued implementation of it. And, um, you know, it's just it's such a great honor for me uh, to be a part of that. And, you know, it happens, you know, regularly, you know, but I, but like there's something special about our space. Right. Like, right. you know, I, I used to live in I've, I've lived in several different technology uh, worlds, um, you know, selling enterprise search, selling CRM, selling recruiting technologies, um, you know, and, uh, and sales acceleration technology. And, you know, every once in a while you find somebody that's really passionate about those things. It's super cool to connect with them as customers, but when you're selling diversity, equity, inclusion, like DEI solutions, you connect at the most like, you know, this really human level with people where they have such a vested interest in your success. And that's amazing because we get to surround ourselves with those people. Like those are our customers. And then they, you know, they, they march us into their organizations with this like passion that I've never seen before in, in all of my years of, of professional selling and, 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 you know, being in the tech space. So that's, that's probably a a good summary of, 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 to answer your question. (laughs) Natalie, this has been absolutely wonderful. Thank you so much for your time. Thanks for uh, enlightening us and just talking with us about what you're doing. And I just love it. 
Yeah. Can I just share my contact information? Real Absolutely. Quick? Yeah. So uh, if anyone wants to continue the conversation and reach out to us, you can find me on Instagram and LinkedIn. Those are kind of my two social media sites, just at Natalie J. Egan. Uh, my middle initial is J as in Jane. So Natalie J. Egan. You can also email me directly at uh, Natalie at translator.company. That's dot company with like C-O-M-P-A-N-Y, the full word. So Thank you so much, William, for having me. Thank you, everybody, for um, for for uh, for listening, and I uh, hope to to hear from you soon. Absolutely. Thanks again, and thanks for everyone listening to the Use Case Podcast. Until next time. You've been listening to Recruiting Daily's Use Case Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite platform and hit us up at recruitingdaily.com.